Today is the second Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of peace. Our peace is found in God and in his Son, Jesus Christ. John the Baptist and all the prophets remind us that to receive peace, we must be prepared for it. We light this candle today to remind us that Christ is the Prince of Peace, the one promised from the beginning of the world. We thank God for the hope he gives us, for the peace he bestows. Let us pray. O God of peace, Emmanuel, we pray you send your light into our hearts at this time. Help us to be ready for the day and the hour of Christ's appearing. Work in our hearts at this time and help us prepare ourselves for the peace that he brings. The inner peace that tells us that we are united with you. And the outer peace, which will come when he returns to judge the world. Bless our worship that it may be pleasing unto you. And bless us that we may prove to be your faithful servants. Amen.
Amen. We gather each Sunday to sing our praises to God. And uh, we're so glad you're a part of this time of worship today. And uh, take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship this morning. I want to remind you that today at 5 o'clock this evening, we're going to gather back here for our annual carol sing. This is an opportunity to sing your favorite carols. We'll sing what you want to sing. And so if there are some that are not in our hymnal, we'll have a lot of those prepared as well. Uh, But we would love to have you here as we sing together. And afterwards, we'll go to the fellowship uh, room for some cookies and uh, coffee and just time of fellowship together. If you could bring a dozen or so of uh, something to eat, that would be great. And uh, we'll, so we'll be here at 5 o'clock and uh, then head over there uh, probably quarter to 6 or so and have some time to fellowship together. So we hope you'll join us this afternoon at 5 o'clock. Also, you see in your bulletin uh, a list of upcoming service times as in the next couple of weeks. With the holidays, the times change, so please be aware of that. And, and also, uh, the Sundays when we are at one service at 10 o'clock, we need some folks to help out with Children's Church as the students are on break and they... Uh, often staff that ministry. So if you can help, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. There are sign-up sheets in the back there to, uh, you can mark down the dates when you would be available. We appreciate your help with our children.
join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin? Let us pray together. Merciful God, how many John the Baptists, how many prophets of your light have we ignored because they were not what we were looking for? How many times have we ignored voices crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord? How many times have we breathed a sigh of relief and turned our backs on your messengers because they did not speak the message we expected to hear? Help us to hear anew the cry of those who would lead us to Christ. Tune our ears to your heralds that we might also testify to your light. And through the coming of Christ, may we hear your words of pardon and assurance. If we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Our first scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 1. Verses 26 through 38. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Hear the word of the Lord. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in singing the doxology as the ushers come forward. take this time to think about all that you do for us 
and the countless ways in which we are blessed. As your servants, we give back to you in a spirit of thanksgiving. Amen. As we continue in worship, we have an opportunity to offer our prayers together. If you would like to use the altar rail as the place where you offer your prayers, please join me. Father, it is with great joy that we come remembering the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. It is mind-boggling to think that you would love us so much that you, your Son, would be born into this world to come among us and to be the way of life and hope forgiveness. Thank you. Father, we come today with gratitude in our hearts and also with burdens in our hearts. Some of us this morning come with uh, feelings of grief and loss. 
For some, it is the grief that comes from death and the missing of those we love. For some, it is the death of a dream or the death of a relationship. Lord, whatever our need, we pray that you administer your comfort to our souls and help us to see you at work in us in the midst of our pain. We pray, Father, for those who are struggling with issues of health. This morning we think especially of Ellis Brotsman and Vesta Mullen, Tim Nichols, Bruce Brenneman. We pray for Bill Roski, for Bev Rett and Micah Christensen, for Linda Roth and Alton Shea and Isla Shea, for Dick Gould and Edna Howard, Crystal Blake, Emily Crickler, and others who in this moment of silence we pray for your healing grace. Father, we pray for the world beyond us. We think of our nation and the, uh, the turmoil in our nation now over the issue of race. Father, forgive us for the ways in which we feel bias and prejudice and look down on others for whatever reason. We pray that where there is strife and anxiety and division, that you would bring healing. Healing to our hearts and our attitudes. and Healing to our relationships, our cities, to us as people. We pray, Father, for the world even beyond our nation. We thank you for what you have done through the years through the Jesus film. It's astounding. Thousands and thousands of people who have opened their hearts to you through this this movie. We pray that the work will continue. We thank you for this story of protection. And we know that there are other times when you are doing the same thing. We pray for your grace at work in all who are part of this ministry and that as the as the movie goes out and as as people watch it, that their hearts will be open to you and there will be transformation. We pray for our brothers and sisters in places of the world where they are oppressed and persecuted and threatened and even murdered. Lord, we pray your protection. We pray for your your calming presence, and we pray for strength for our brothers and sisters in these difficult circumstances. And may they know your presence and our support and prayers in a very tangible way. And may they be encouraged. Father, we thank you for your grace to us in Christ. In this time of preparation of Advent, fill our hearts with a a sense and awareness of your spirit teaching us, preparing us, helping us that we might experience fully the coming of Christ once again.
into our world and into our lives. And we ask this through the grace of Jesus Christ, your incarnate Son, and the one who teaches his disciples the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our second scripture reading is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Hear the word of the Lord. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today... In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord.
Please be seated. So I get this question about angels and what the role of angels are in our lives, in this world. And quite frankly, I'm a little bit stumped at that one. We don't talk a lot about angels. And I think we have a tendency to do one of two things with angels. Either we give too much to them, we consider them to be more than they are, or we do the opposite and we ignore them. So I'm pondering this idea about angels, and it struck me that we have some preconceived ideas in our minds about angels. A lot of those pictures come from art. So I found a few images of art that might, I don't know, trigger some of those ideas for you. And we'll just take a few seconds and look at some of these pictures. You've seen it's a wonderful life, haven't you? Now, there's a few things, common denominators in those pictures. One is wings, right? They all have wings, except for Clarence. Uh, He hasn't gotten his wings yet, right? This is pre-bell ringing for him. So they all have wings, which is interesting because there are only a few places in Scripture where angels are described having wings. Um, so there's that. They, I also am intrigued by the fact that most of the, in all those images, they, the angels look pretty European, right? Maybe they are. I don't know. But anyway, that's the image we get. There's a lot of finger pointing with angels. Did you notice that? Either up or straight at someone or doing that. We have these. And, and the other thing is that a lot of them look, um, you know, they... They look like little children sometimes, and, uh, which is intriguing to me. But we have these images in our mind, and, and angels are very popular in our culture. There are, there are a lot of people that have nothing to do with Christianity that are enamored with angels. I mean, just the fact that you had these popular television shows that were hits for many years about angels... And uh, the work of angels in the world tells you something. And I see, you know, angel uh, pendants and, and angel necklaces and angel all kinds of jewelry and things. People love it. And they have nothing to do with, I don't, a lot of these people don't have anything to do with being a follower of Christ. They just are enamored with angels. As someone, I, I read someone, a best-selling author, talked about the fact that maybe the reason for that is because we've created this image of God where he's judgmental and vindictive And angels are just nice. They would never do that. Angels are compassionate. They would never be demanding of us. And if you have to choose between someone who's demanding and someone who's just nice, who are you going to pick? Right? 
And so our culture has, we have these images of angels that come to our mind when we think about them. And most of the time, they're probably not all that biblical. When we read the scriptures and we read about angels, and angels are mentioned over 300 times in the scriptures. Almost every book of the Bible mentions angels. What we find is that, in essence, they are servants of God who do God's work, accomplish God's work here on earth. And in a summary statement, that's, that's who they are. They are servants of God. Whatever God wants them to do, that's what they do. Wherever God wants them to go, that's where they go. Whatever God wants them to say, that's what they say. They are servants of God. And sometimes their service, their, the work that they do for God, is quite harsh. They're warriors. Genesis chapter 3 is Adam and Eve are banned from the Garden of Eden. God appoints an angel to block the way, to guard the entrance with a sword. Intimidating. Warrior. In Second um, Samuel... Actually, it's a number of places in Samuel and Kings, Chronicles. There are a number of places where angels are, are the means God uses to bring justice upon Israel for their sin. And the means God uses to overcome Israel's enemies who are going to destroy them. And the angels are warriors. You move into the book of Revelation and you see them often in the book of Revelation. In fact, just from chapter 5 to chapter 22, the end of the book, angels are mentioned over 70 times. And a lot of their work has to do with being agents of unleashing the justice and the wrath of God on the world. They are referred to as destroyers and destroying angels. They are, they do kind of the dirty work for God sometimes. But there's also the other side of it. They are a help to people. They accomplish the work of God in a positive way on earth. When Abraham is, is looking for a wife for his son Isaac, he gets his servant and gives him instructions and sends him off to their homeland to find an appropriate wife for him. And he says, the angel of God is going to go before you and the angel will help you. In Acts chapter 5, Peter and John have been preaching the gospel. And they are arrested, put in prison. And an angel comes and frees them. Same thing happens to Peter in Acts chapter 12. He's imprisoned. And he is uh, facing impending execution. And he thinks he's having a dream. In this dream, an angel comes and releases his arms from the chains and his feet from the chains. And and the, the guards are asleep. And the door to the cell opens and Peter walks through and the door to the prison opens and Peter walks out into the street. It isn't until he's a block or so away from the prison that he in essence kind of wakes up and realizes, oh, I'm outside the prison. And he realizes an angel rescued him. And there are numerous stories like that of angels coming and doing God's work in the world. Angels are created beings. It's it's important for us to understand that because sometimes I think there is this mindset that angels are almost divine. They're not. They are created beings. Angels are um, often 
invisible, sometimes they're visible. In um, Genesis 19, they take on human form. Abraham is out one day and uh, some guys walk up to the tent. They're just like regular guys to, to Abraham. And he welcomes them, feeds them, and finds out later that they are angels. In 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha is in his house one morning. His servant goes out as he always does, probably to retrieve some water. And he looks around and the army of their enemy Syria has surrounded them. And he's freaking out. Because they only have, the army has one thing in mind and that is to kill Elisha and his servant. And he runs back in the house and says, Master, Master, you're not going to believe it. The army of Syria is out there. We're dead. And Elisha, as calmly as can be, says, you don't understand. The army for us is a lot bigger than the army of Syria. And the guy looks at him and says, what? There's no other army out there. Come look. And he drags him outside. There's no army. And Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. And all of a sudden he sees the army of the heavenly host surrounding the hillside with swords ready to protect them. Sometimes visible, sometimes invisible. Sometimes they appear in dreams. Maybe they're less intimidating in a dream than they are face to face. Because the reality is, when most people see an angel, they're terrified. Angels scare the life out of people. What's the first thing out of almost every angel's mouth? Don't be afraid. Fear not. Why do you say that? Because they're shaking in their boots. If one of these people, these images that we saw on the screen, anything like that just sort of showed up in front of you, you'd be scared too. They frighten us. But they come not to frighten us, but to be representatives of God, his servants. And that very point, that they are created to be servants of God, to accomplish his work in the world, I think is at the heart of why there is rebellion in heaven. Because one of the angels isn't going to live that way. One of the angels decides he doesn't like God's plan. He doesn't want to be a servant of God. He wants to be his own master. He, In fact, he wants to be God. And he rebels. And we call him Satan, the devil, Lucifer. And he takes, according to Revelation 12, maybe a third of the angels in heaven. He takes them with him. And they seem to become what we know of as the demons. And they are people who are, who do the, they are beings that do the work of God, or the work of Satan in this world. Satan is the adversary of God. Actually, Satan is not necessarily the adversary of God. He is the adversary of us. Because to say that he's the adversary of God implies that he is sort of the opposite of God. You know, when we think of opposites, you say good, Bad. Say light, say dark. Rich, poor. God, Satan. No, nothing could be further from the truth. The opposite of Satan, as someone said to me earlier, maybe is Gabriel. One of the angels. Satan is not the all-powerful being who is evil. He is an angel who is evil. 
And God is other than all that he has created, including angels. And the angels rebel, or the the demons and Satan rebel against God. We don't know exactly why they want to be God. They, They want the power that God has. They don't like the plan that God has. Paul equates their rebellion with conceit and pride. Someone suggested that maybe when it says that, that, uh, that uh, God created the human beings a little lower than the angels, that, now, that Satan looks at that and says, wait a second, these beings are less than us. They, they don't have what we have. They're not able to do what we're able to do. And yet you're going to pour out your love for them? You're going to give your son for them? Don't you realize that they're going to rebel against you and, and they're going to sin against you and they're going to hurt you? This is ridiculous. I'm not standing for that. I don't know. It kind of sounds like something Satan would say. Satan's Satan's role is to hurt what God loves. And that's to hurt you and me, to destroy his creation, to do all in his power, to hurt us. And that's why But it's important for us to understand and remember what Paul writes to the church at Rome at the end of chapter 8 when he says, neither angels nor demons nor principalities nor any powers can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Satan may be powerful. He may have a time when he is able to, to wreak havoc on us and on the world, but God is still in control. But it's because of Satan's hatred for us, it's because of Satan's work against us that God seems to send angels to us. And one of the things that that God does for us as he is sending angels to us is that he protects us. He comes and, and he gives us his protection. You know, we talk about guardian angels. And the guardian angels are, I don't know, it's hard to know exactly. Do you have one angel? Does everybody have a guardian angel? Do you have a group of guardian angels? It's hard to know. But scripture seems to tell us that we have angels that are with us and that, that protect us. Psalm 91 says, he will, not, he, will, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus is being tempted by Satan. They're on top of the temple. Satan says, just jump off. The angels will protect you. And he quotes this passage. And Jesus doesn't deny the fact that he's right. He just says, this is not the will of my father to do this. I think about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel 3. They refused to bow down to the image of the king, and so they're thrown into the fiery furnace. And after a few minutes, the king looks in there and says, wait a minute, first of all, these guys are not dead. They're walking around. And didn't we throw three in there? I see four. And the scripture talks to us about an angel with them. Just a couple of chapters later, Daniel refuses to stop praying. And he is thrown into the lion's den. 
And the writer of Daniel says that the Lord sent the angel, his angel, to close the mouths of the lion to protect him. It's hard to know exactly how often God protects us, but he seems to do it a lot. Because the evil one is continually wanting to destroy us. And really the the real miracle of life is that how seldom those kinds of things happen, not how often they do. John Patton was a missionary in the 19th century to South Sea Islands. And not too long after he and his wife arrived, the, um, the tribal people they were, where they were living surrounded their hut one night and, with weapons and were coming to attack them. And he and his wife spent all night on their knees praying for God's protection. And when they got up the next morning, all the, the men, the warriors were gone. They didn't know what happened, but they were saw it as an answered prayer. A year or two later, one of the men in the tribe who had been standing around there was converted to Christ. And, and John Patton asked him, so do you remember that night? He said, oh yeah, I remember that night. He said, why did you guys leave? The guy said, well, why did you, why did you have all those guys standing around your hut protecting you? He said, we didn't have any people around our hut protecting me. It was just my wife and I. We were the only ones. We were inside on our knees praying. He said, well, I'm going to tell you, we all saw an army of men standing around you with swords, and it scared us to death, and we ran. I think about a few years ago, Cindy and I were coming back from Buffalo. It was nearing, nearing evening, summer evening. It was just that point where it was starting to get dusky, and we were just come through Rushford, and as we were coming down 243, a deer ran out in front of us, and I swerved, and the car went into a spin. And I don't know how many times we spun around, four or five times, I think, and we ended up hitting one of those wire guardrails on the other side of the road, and it just stopped us. And the car was totaled, but we walked away virtually unharmed. And I've thought of that often, that there's a lot of traffic on that road, a lot of trucks on that road. Nobody was around as we were spinning across both lanes of traffic. It's one of the few places there's even a guardrail. And we hit it. And it kept us from going over an embankment. Can't help but think about guardian angels when you have those kinds of experiences. And I suspect there are all kinds of things that happen in our lives that we don't even know that guardian angels are protecting us. Because they just happen and we don't realize the danger we've been in. We might call them close calls or sometimes we don't even realize it. But God is protecting us. But let's be honest, sometimes we don't get the protection. Sometimes things happen and pain happens and trouble comes to us and difficulties come to us. And it's in those moments that God sends his angels to comfort us. And I don't know why sometimes we're protected and sometimes we're not. But I do know that in the times when we are not, in the times when we face the difficulties, God sends his angels to comfort us in our pain and our struggle. When Jesus, when the temptation is completed and Satan leaves him, the angels come and minister to Jesus, Scripture tells us. And, and later on, we find that 
that God's people who have been struggling and wrestling are comforted by his spirit and his presence. Now, there's so many times when we don't know how we're going to get through something, and we do. And it's not until we look back later and think, I don't know how I made it through that, but I did through the grace of God, maybe through his comforting angels. There's a theory that when we die, God's angels are there for us to take us in the presence of Jesus. In Luke 16, Lazarus, the story of parable Jesus tells of Lazarus and the rich man. It says, when Lazarus died, the angels carried him into that place of paradise. It's hard to know, but it sounds like something God would do with his angels. The writer of Hebrews tells us in the first chapter, he says, he asks the question, aren't all angels ministering spirits? That's one of the reasons they exist, to comfort us, to help us. And in our struggles, in our difficult moments, they are there for us. And angels have a word for us. Jesus, when Jesus speaks to people, he speaks in a general sense of the, the general nature of God's truth. Angels don't tend to do that. They come with a specific word at a specific moment at a specific time for specific people. Case in point, Zechariah goes into the temple to pray and to offer the incense. And the angel appears and tells him that he and his wife, who have been unable to bear children and are past childbearing age, are going to have a baby. And that child, John the Baptist, is going to prepare the way for the Messiah. At almost the same time, Mary, minding her own business, and an angel appears to her and says, I've got something that's going to tell you something that's going to blow your mind. You're going to have a baby. It's going to be the Messiah. And Joseph isn't quite sure what's going on with Mary. As she's here, his fiance is, is pregnant. And he's not the father. And he's ready to divorce her quietly. And the angel appears to him and says, Joseph, here's the deal. And in that word, he clarifies the truth. There are times when we just need a word from God And the angels direct us perhaps to a passage of scripture or put something into our minds or bring someone into our lives to say something to us that we need to hear. And God uses angels to speak his word that encourages us and warns us and helps us. And ultimately, the role of angels in this world is to turn our attention to God. So one of the things that we struggle with as a culture is that we want to worship angels. I mean, we love to worship anything but God. It's part of our sinfulness. And we want to worship angels. Some people want to worship them and put them on a higher pedestal than they should be. But the angels themselves keep telling us, no, it's about worshiping God. All throughout the book of Revelation, they, they join in worshiping God. They tell John, worship God. And in fact, as John is taken on this tour of, of, the, of Revelation and revealed to God from God all that's going to happen... In chapter 19, John is so absorbed in what's going on that he bows down to worship the angel who's his tour guide. And the angel, I can almost see it, the angel grabbing him by the hair and picking him up and saying, no, 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 stop. 
It's not about worshiping me. It's about worshiping God. The angels sing to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest. The angels proclaim to the shepherds, to Mary, to Joseph, to everyone around. This is about worshiping God. And the reason we worship God is because, the, because God loves us. And that too is the angel's message. God loves us so much that he would send these angels into our lives to comfort us and to help us and to speak his word to us, to protect us. And quite frankly, I don't know exactly why we need angels. God, I don't think God needs angels. But we must. John Calvin said, you know, it's hard to really fathom the purpose of angels and, and why God would need them to speak to us. But if God in his generosity and love chooses believes that this is something we need to better experience him, then let's give thanks. And it reveals to us the depth of God's love for us, that he would create beings who would help us in a way that we need. And maybe there's just something about how God communicates through angels that helps us hear better and see better and understand better than we could without them. But we give thanks to him. We give thanks for this gift. Because angels really are a gift from God. There's so much about angels that we do not know. They're a mystery. We suppose we surmise, we do a little bit of, of putting together, connecting dots. But ultimately, angels are a mystery. But we do know this. They're a gift of God. And we need to celebrate this gift. And to join in with the angels on that hillside, singing to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest for the gifts that he gives us through his grace, his mercy, and his love. Holy Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for the gift of angels. We don't always understand what they're doing and how they're doing it and perhaps even why they're necessary, but they are a gift from you and we thank you. And thank you for the ways in which you use them in our lives. So as we prepare our hearts for the coming of Christ, give us hearts grateful for this gift and all of your gifts. Amen. Please stand as we sing together the closing hymn.
The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.